Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. A huge, warm welcome to episode number 234, 234, shut the door. I tell you what, this is probably the most excited I have been for a podcast, and the reason being today or yesterday was the launch of my brand new book, All Work, No Play, A Surprising Guide to Feeling More Mindful, Grateful, and Cheerful. Now, for those first-time listeners, my name is Dale Sybottom, and for the last three years, I've had a dream of creating a book, uh, a book that is sort of like a Bible uh, for finding fun in any area of your life. So that could be at work, home, relationships, family, it doesn't matter where it is, it is a practical guide that you can pick it up and find something for what you need right now. Now, for people out there around play, uh, play is a simple way to be present in the moment. And I call it play-based mindfulness. When you are truly present, stress and worry melts away, making you more mindful and connected. And let's be honest, connection at the moment is something we all need after the pandemic and still everything going on in the world. So we all know that it's so good for us, but how much do we actually play? Now, this book has got my story in it. As well as that, I've teamed up with three of the most amazing minds in in play around the world, and that's Professor Alison James, uh, Richard Cheatham, MBE, and Dr. Craig Daly. Now, along with my stories, my practical ways of using play um, and sort of the, the research I've done from testing these out, not only from traveling, uh, but running workshops and keynotes and seminars all over the world and teamed up with the other three in Allison, uh, Richard and Craig. It is just such, it's such a book that really will appeal to a lot of different people. And um, our number one goal is just to spread a bit more fun and joy around the world. And hence, that's the name of the book. So, um, Enough from me. This book now is available uh, in bookstores all around the world. Or if you just search All Work, No Play by Dale Sidebottom on Google, uh, you'll be able to see where you can buy that um, in whatever country you are online. So um, before I wrap up, I just wanted to do a little interview with the three other contributors of the book and get their take on what they loved about the book, the impact it'll make, um, and what they're really excited about. So here's Richard, Allison, Craig, and I'll wrap it up at the end because this has been three years in the making. I am so excited to share this book with you. Professor Allison James, how are you? I'm I'm really well, thank you, Dale. How are you? I'm fantastic. Now, I always love catching up, and particularly today because we're talking about a project I've been working on for a long time together. Um, now, for the listeners, can you please describe yourself? Introduce yourself. Right. Well, hi, everybody. Um, I'm Alison James. I have been uh, a UK academic for many years. I I'm a professor of learning and teaching, a Lego Serious Play facilitator. I'm a national teaching fellow in the UK. Um, and up until December 2019, I had had a career working in different institutions, particularly creative arts universities, but also multidisciplinary ones. Um, and I left institutional life to concentrate on my play research. Um, which has been something that I've been heavily involved in for a number of years. And um, I 
got funding to be able to travel the world and research play and then we had a global pandemic so I stayed at home <laughs> and that was the end of that but it wasn't the end of that it was the end of the travel but so I've been doing research and collaborations and things through zoom like everybody else so fantastic and now I know that's uh, with the book, obviously, it's a practical guide. It's got stories, it's got the research, and it's got ways to implement it into your day. So what part of the research and uh, the evidence around the benefits of play have you added to the book, Alison? Um, I think I think if, if, if I did what I think you wanted me to do is, you know, people can get very... Um, prejudiced or a bit ill-informed sometimes I think about the value of play the weight of play because play is something that makes us happy it makes us feel good it it, it relaxes us in whatever form that takes so I think people have a tendency to dismiss play as something frivolous something silly something that's separated from work and I hope what I do for people who are new to thinking about play in the terms that you describe, you know, play as as a deep part of human existence, as key to our survival, as great for mental health and well-being, um, for bonding with others, that I hope what I bring is an awareness of the theoretical basis, that actually there has been not just decades, but centuries of, you know, deep theoretical informed thinking about play going back to Greek philosophers and and going through different civilizations and I think what happens is when people start to encounter these these thoughts and concepts and these different views of play I think they start going oh well there's actually more to this than I thought and I think that's what's really really important because to me there are the two problems play has when it comes into work or advanced learning uh, rather than just being a hobby thing is that people don't don't understand actually that it's it's not easy to define that it is deep and complex and I think I think it's yes I hope what I've brought is is just uh, opened a door maybe for people who haven't haven't encountered those kinds of theories. And I must say, and I'm probably going to misquote him, I think it was Albert Einstein said, there's nothing so practical as a good theory. And sometimes I think people go, oh, the theory stuff, that's just that kind of, you know, abstract academic stuff. I don't need that, I'll just do the thing. But actually, if your theory is any good at all, and some of these play theories are phenomenal, um, it actually just makes you understand yourself and the world better. Yeah, so and uh, it's so be- true. And, and with that, Alison, I think people <coughs> read, particularly your writing, uh, Richard's and Craig's, you know, research that it'll make them think about things they've done all through their life that have been playing and the importance that has had. And I think that's one thing that I've loved having a different voice part of the book and particularly, you know, play like superstars like yourself is that it makes you really think about and ponder and reflect on your childhood and growing up and how important those like interactions have been. All right. So I really love that. Now, what are you most proud about the book and, and being a part of it? What, what I love the word proud. Um, what, what are you most proud about? <laughs> I'm most proud of you, Dale. Oh, you didn't have to say that. And I, listeners, I did not tell Alison to say that. <laughs> No, he absolutely, he absolutely didn't. No, I, 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 I am. I'm, you know, um, before it gets too mushy. Um, <laughs> I think it was, you know, 
it, you know, it was interesting at the start of this interview, you said, you know, we've been working on this for a long time. But the thing about you, Dale, is you just crack on and do things. So, you know, to me, the, the book has actually come into being in a remarkably quick space of time. But then again, I know, you know, from my own experience, and I think from you too, is you spelt, spend years in investing in and building something, all the rest of it, and then actually writing about it and telling the stories happens very fast, but because you've done all of that work before. Um, so, so you know, with, without without schmoozing you at all, that is, you know, it's a fantastic collaboration. I'm proud of the fact that, you know, I've been able to be a, a part of the story of the book with with Craig, with Richard. Um, you know, it's been really nice to be a gang of four, even though it's your your book and your baby. Um, I think what I have liked is just seeing how although you know you you gave us some ideas and some prompts about you know the, the things that each of us could contribute just seeing how it knits together is really lovely and I think perhaps one of the things that I worried about at the start when I knew I was writing my bits in isolation even though I you know I had a chat with Richard about you know we divvied up what what I would write about what he would write about um, is you, you kind of think, oh my goodness, we've all got really different voices. And what if our voices don't mesh with your voice as prime author? And, and, and what if what if it look, looks like a bit sort of add-on? But I didn't get that sense when actually I got the chance to read the whole text. So I think, you know, I'm proud of the collaboration, but I'm proud of seeing, and it's it's all it's all credit actually to, to you and to the editing team as well, that, that you were able to take those disparate voices and, and weave it all together. Oh wow, that that could just be the, the caption or the clip. That could be an extract for the for the book itself there, Alison. So thank you very much for that. Now, <laughs> people are listening. How how would you describe the book for you know an everyday punter or somebody that you know maybe a bit skeptical? Because when you look at play, there's hundreds of different definitions. And um, so you've yeah. read the book, you've been part of it, you've added to it. How would you describe the book for you know people listening? I think what really struck me, and I think I said this to you when I first read it, is it's it's a really engaging read. But it's although you know you write very honestly and very personally about your experiences and what 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 brought you to change your life path and and why why play matters to you. It's very heartfelt. I think it's the kind of book that that anybody can pick up and relate to it's a very relatable book you know I think and I so I think that's very powerful about it um, it's a personal journey but it is about I feel you know I do feel that your voice bounds off the page I think I said that to you and I think what is nice is that it grabs the reader and it makes the reader want to try things it amuses the reader it's very honest you know you say when things go wrong in the same way as you say when things go right and, and actually for me as a reader you know I really I really want those warts and all stories you know I don't want necessarily uh, you know a long detailed account of somebody else's life of perfection I want <laughs> to know that the person who's writing words you know I want to know they're real I want to know that they know what it feels like when when it all goes horribly wrong I, I, I want 
I want to know that the people aren't afraid to fess up and say, you know, you know, I, I, I did some great things, but actually there were times when I didn't get it right. And, but look, you know, I turned the tanker, I moved, I moved forward. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, it, this is a rather rambly way of saying, I think people will pick it up. They will feel connection. They will feel it's relatable. They will feel there are things that are really interesting. You know, I know a reasonable amount about play from lots of different sources, although I will never ever pretend to, to be, you know, a guru because there are just so many people who know things that I don't know. But, but you know, it was still lovely to pick it up and think this is a new and fresh perspective on play and its important importance in our lives on top of all the other things that I've read. So I think it doesn't matter what people know about play or what they think they know about themselves. They can pick up a book like this. And also it, it is like a cool glass of beer on a summer's day. You kind of drink it all up. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not going to be like, it's not going to be like one of those books where somebody sits down and goes, oh God, I said I'd read Dale's book. Let's just, I'll wade through another 20 pages and then I'll, <laughs> you know, I'll go and have a cake. So uh, no, it's, it's, it's easy read, but it's not, babyish read. Oh, Alison, well, thank you so much for those kind words and um, also for the hard work and effort that you put into making it is what it is. I really appreciate our friendship and, and you being a part of probably something that hopefully uh, people will really enjoy and um, I know I'm really proud of. So thank you so much. Oh, an absolute pleasure, Dale. And thank you for making me part of it. And I'm looking forward to sharing your your text once we can get out of our doors and, and actually meet <laughs> Face-to-face, it'll be brilliant. Uh, Richard Cheatham, how are you? Great, man. Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Good to see you again. Always a pleasure. Now, people didn't get to see the background changes before, but I was very impressed with your IT skills. One thing that you have picked up in the pandemic, no doubt. So um, for listeners, Rich, uh, can you describe yourself? How would you describe yourself and give a little bit of your glowing resume to the readers? Blimey. So uh, I suppose uh, my real job is um, I'm a senior fellow in sports coaching at University of Winchester. So I coach coaches. Um, that's my my real job. But I work a lot. Um, I look, look additionally with different sports and organisations, really promoting some of my research area and applied practice. So it's not just writing about it, it's doing as well. So the real play advocate, that's that's the nice part of it, you know. Yeah. And, and, um, and you, you I like definitely the are the real play advocate. Sorry, keep going. Well, Rule breaker, maverick, uh, don't really like conformity too much. Um, student said to me today, um, it's not like one of the official drills. I said, brilliant. We don't do official drills. We'll do something different. What should we do? <laughs> so making stuff up, making it work. And yeah, I quite like that. It's, it's amazing to have real autonomy in what you do. I, I really think it is too, mate. I, I love the word maverick. I think that's fantastic. So um, when we divvied up the book, and I know Alison and yourself, um, obviously have done so much research, you've got all this knowledge, um, we split up different parts. So what have you added to the book? And I know you can maybe talk about some of your stories and then some of the research as well. Yeah, so I was very much an advocate of, um, you know, do we, do we grow out of play? Um, do we grow too old not to play? And you know, what does it like? What does play mean as adults? And I've given a couple of stories to you there, which are in the book, really about how it's really important that we reconnect with our childhood. We reconnect as adults. We don't lose that joyfulness. You know, I love the word joy. 
that it's something that really is one of the words that sounds like what it is. And I think as adults, we, we grow out of it because we don't think it's a behavior that fits us unless we're in certain situations yet. It's as nourishing for as adult as, as an adult is as, as a child. And I gave examples from the British Lions tour when I was um, watch, following the British Lions in Australia at uh, Brisbane. And um, the other one was the Ashes, you know, and how the, the fancy dress day in the Ashes, which I believe is now also in Australia. I've seen some uh, wonderful fancy dress days with uh, the, 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 um, the troopers from Star Wars and Elvis Presley's and uh, <laughs> quite a few Richie Benno's in the crowd is that we, we don't grow out of play. We just need what I call permission to play. We need to be amongst people who are like-minded, who give us not the word, yes, you can play, but kind of it thinks we're comfortable to do it because everybody else is doing it. And that's when adults get together in those environments, spectator sports, social gatherings, that they reconnect with it. Um, and I think the, the greatest teachers, the greatest coaches of young people are ones who can connect and, you know, are great, great, um, advocates of playing great players you know you're entering into a child's world of play and if you've out of practice as an adult then you really are walking into uh as i said in one of the books i read you know you're walking onto an nba court with the greatest basketball players in the world and you're a real amateur because they're, they're the experts they are the experts yeah. of play they, they really are and i think one uh, from particularly i really resonate with your stories and I, the research was fantastic but it made me think about why do i love going to you know sporting games and particularly like when i was in the uk um i lived right near fulham's ground why did i enjoy that so much it was do you know what i mean it's the chanting it was all the crowd being as one um it was going to the cricket mm. doing the mexican wave singing songs and i never thought that that was play but that's play on a huge scale isn't it yeah. Yeah. Play comes in lots of forms. And I think it's, it's a freedom of expression. It's a freedom just to, to kind of, you know, let your hair down really and, and just um, feel that it's okay. You know, and, and I say it's just a joyful, playful experience and that's the important part of it. Um, and I think now more than ever, we are actually ironically and the wonderful timing of the book was, is, you know, timing is everything is the fact that it's come out at a time when we have really been, you know, um, in a, in a state of play poverty. We've had to, our normal interaction with other people, there's no, no normal social gatherings, the, the sport, the, the going to school with your friends, the work with your friends, the, the after work social, all those things where we will play and have opportunities have been lost. And, you know, we're in a, in a chance now where we can reconnect with it and realise how significant it is. Yeah, and and and, and that is very true. And I, I, I couldn't agree more and I, timing is everything. And and one of the things I picked up, Rich, is that I love the word joy as well. I think it's a fantastic word. The other word I love is proud. And I think people should be proud of things um, in their life, other people and stuff like that. What are you most proud of about the book and, and being part of it? Well, it's funny because I, I guess I rang the other day. So what I'm proud about is the fact that uh, I rang Richard Shorter, who was the uh, the person who put me and you together for, for those first, um, over a year ago now. And he said, you really like this guy, Dale. You've got to give him a call. And, uh, you know, I just, I just thought that part of our journey would be a lovely conversation and to find like-minded, you know, uh, Maverick and someone who, who really was, um, who embodied what they spoke about. And I think that's really important. If we're going to talk about something, we've got to embody it. If we're going to be creative, you know, don't give me 50 PowerPoint slides, you know, coming because we've got to be the ones that, you know, projection is important. So do you project something that people will realise, you know, that's what you're about? So I sprang Richard and I said to him, we've got this book coming out. And he said, wow. And I said, yeah, I ranked to rank you because you put me and Dale together. 
and that uh, good, you know, we marry well. That's the phrase I use. Is a good marriage? Is a marriage of minds, a marriage of philosophy. You know, we're not obviously married. We're not going to get married, but it, and it's the marriage of minds. And what we've done is we've done shared ideas. We've had informal conversations. We've done some wonderful podcasts. We've done presentations, webinars, and now this book for me is another part of that journey. And, you know, I'm really excited. We've done the cards. You've, you've sent me your wonderful cards as well. And, and that, for me, is just the testament to the strength of a good connection. Two people who are at opposite ends of the world. You know, and I really tear my hat off to you to have done all this with what you've got going on. And, and I'm very proud that at the end of it all, we've got something we can share with other people. Oh, that's very powerful. I, I really like that, Rich. And it is funny. I, I think that's a good reminder for people listening as well. Not, not even about the book, but um, if you've been connected with somebody um, through someone, reach out to yeah. them if it, it if you really appreciate that. Because I know you get a lot of introductions in your life and I should reach out to Rich Short. Hopefully you're listening, Rich. But um, I remember after I had him on my podcast, he goes, Dale, if you've got five minutes, I need to tell you about Richard Cheatham. You, you guys will just hit it off. And I couldn't agree more. So, uh, Rich, if you are listening, thank you so much. It, it has been an amazing marriage. And I can't wait to uh, obviously meet in person one day when uh, we're allowed to fly again and travel. It'll be amazing. So last question, Rich, before I let you go, mate, is how would you describe this book for people? Uh, for just uh, the random person listening, how would you describe this book? Okay, so what the wonderful thing about the book is it's full of ideas because I think we we want that stimulation. We want triggers. I'd not have thought of that. That sounds pretty good. We want stories. We want to learn by stories. Um, so actually, we, we see we see real-world experiences. Uh, and so the, it's a wonderful combination of underpinning all the way through there. It's not someone's ideas that are just grounded on their ideas. You know, what's, it, what's important is the, the team that you've got together to put it together has put the kind of theory, if you like, but in a very gentle way, not overly intense academic theory, but the wonderful um, nature of play, it, it's healing, it, the, how healthy it is for us. So it's a book that actually makes you smile from the first page to the last page. And I said before about permission, you know, it actually gives you permission to, to play because it's about when you open it up, it's as it says on the outside. What's on the outside of the title is exactly what you'll find on the inside. And we really, you know, as I said before, a very difficult time for everybody. This is a time more than anything. That's This book is one that we can connect to, link to. And yeah, I, I think it has all of those. In fact, I don't know. I, I think I know it has that. And those lovely little stories. I remember sending you the story about the cricket and the Lions tour. And I kind of felt your smile in that email. You know, and that's it. really what we want. You know, we want people to get that because those true stories are ones that are ones to raise a smart and to understand how important it is. Yeah, and, and, and that is so true. I think people will be able to relate to a lot of the stories in the book, Rich, because I can guarantee that they've experienced themselves and um, reading someone else's, it will trigger. Like, and I know that's what I mean, exactly reading, particularly the one at the Gabba. Um, I was reading that going, oh, I've mm. had those same experiences. And it reminds you of those amazing times, mm. particularly when you may not have been able to experience that for a year or two because we've been in lockdown. So, um, Rich, from yeah. bottom of my heart, mate, our friendship, thank you so much. And thank you for, you know, the wonderful words that you've, uh, added to this book to make it is what it is. So thank you so much, mate. Oh, listen, it was, uh, is you know, it is an absolute privilege. I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited because, uh, you know, like I said, that first phone call we had, and this is where we've gone. And, um, I hope that everybody enjoys the book. You know, it's a real testament to your, 
your hard work and uh, like I said it was a good marriage of minds the team that you got together for it so uh, you know um, what's the famous cricket team in Australia that weren't beaten for years what were they called the Invincibles uh, or what was on the Shane yeah. Warne era yep. Yep. Okay, well, you Steve got... Moore, yep yeah much as it might pay, be painful to say as an England cricket supporter you got the uh, the play equivalent of that team together to, to contribute to this <laughs> book so congratulations Dale congratulations on the new arrival and I'm, I'm very, very excited, so thank you. I'd love to welcome my good mate, Dr. Craig Daly. How are you, craig I'm well, Dale. And yourself? How are you? Good, mate. Now, the, the, the doctor name, I'm, I'm fascinated with this. And, and I think listeners are as well. We've had uh, Alison James, a professor. We've had Richard Cheatham, MBA, and you are a doctor. Do you want to introduce yourself uh, as one of the contributors to All Work, No Play? Yeah, thanks, Dale. Um, the docket comes from a PhD that I did many, many years ago. The, I, the original motivation for doing it was to get into higher education. I've had a career as a teacher for well, 20, 20 odd years in schools and over a decade in higher education institutions, uh, mainly in teacher education programs. And one of the strange sort of scenarios is that particularly in Australia, if you need to work in higher education, you need to have a PhD. So went ahead and got it. Um, certainly no smarter for it, but um, <laughs> got that early in 2000s and um, have had the chance to work with some brilliant people because of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. But essentially my background has been started as a primary school teacher, worked as a head of a department, um, assistant principal, Worked overseas in those roles as well, um, and uh, then into higher education as a as a lecturer, senior lecturer, and then lead academic of um, programs. Most notably, I guess at QUT, where I spent close to a decade in charge of the physical activity, wellness, and sport program there. Mate, very impressive resume. And I know that uh, people, when they pick the book up, they will not only see your research, which is second to none. Um, and I know we've done a lot of other projects recently on that, but you've added that. But also your storytelling is something that I think people will love. <laughs> Obviously, I tell a lot of stories in the book, but some of yours are amazing, particularly um, you've got a poem in there. You've got Daily's Winds. You've got Santo's Son about a, a running. I think people can relate to your stories, but the one I love the most, mate, is... Um, um, when we meet in Seoul uh, and we went and played virtual golf. Do you want to talk a little bit about not only the research you added to this book to make it is what it is, but also some of your stories? I think, Dale, it's probably my favourite story out of a lot of them as well. I think the opportunity to write colour stories doesn't come along every day. And for someone that liked writing at a young age and then lost an interest in it when I did an 80,000-word PhD thesis, um, I found it a really cathartic experience to actually write again. And you're like 186.3 sticks in mind for a lot of reasons. That was, that was the first night that we met in Seoul and um, not wanting to go to a, 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 a um, dinner, Christmas dinner at the school. Um, we paired up together and we, and we found an indoor golf center in, in Seoul and had, uh, had a bit of a crack at uh, taming the course. I think it was St Andrews, if I remember rightly. And um, yeah, managed to actually fluke the greatest fluke in sports history. It made Stephen Bradbury's <laughs> performance look small by me holding out from 180.3 metres to win the game. 
It was, uh, and and to be honest, I think not only was your shot amazing and I thoroughly enjoyed it and I think it connected us even more, but I think um, the, the, the conversations that we had and everything, um, and not only that, taking the opportunity to try something new and challenge yourself. And um, I know that you talk a lot about that in the story and everything that we've done together. I think, yeah, it was. It's a really interesting thing. Like we we bonded over questions that are issues that um, were obviously a lot more prominent in my mind than I thought at the time. You know, the, the triggers that were there about how difficult it was for schools. You know, both of us having an education background. You know, what we saw as the problems being in schools, how we could go about. You know, trying to remedy those um, suggestions for moving forward. Um, finding a new golf swing that had been lost as well. Um, we, you know, it was all of those sort of things in a two-hour experience. And, and as you alluded to earlier, we've, we've done a lot of projects since. And I think, you know, that that makes the story even more special for me, is that what it's actually led to. Um, and as, as I wrote in the story, it helped me find something that I've lost somewhere along the way. The love of play was just... The idea that you can go and escape indoors in the middle of a sole winter and still have a great time um, was really something that I needed. Yeah. And and I, as I said, mate, I, I'm not to uh, ditch any of the work, writing that Alison and obviously Richard had done, but that story means a lot to me as well, mate. And I know people will be able to relate to it because you do meet certain people along the way in different situations. And that might just be the thing when reading the book that you remember some amazing experience and you reach out to someone you haven't spoke to for a while. Now, um, what are you most proud about the book? I love the word proud, Craig. I think it's something that we don't use enough, but what are you most proud of, not only for what you contributed to it, but the book as a whole? Oh, look, I think it's, it's a fascinating read. Um, And, it fills a fills a gap that's there at the moment. I think the fact that I'm proud of that, you know, I've been able to contribute to it, but be in the same airspace as Richard and Alison is is quite quite humbling for me. Like, you know, if you look at their CVs and what they've managed to achieve over the years in regards to their chosen fields, um, I'm just a, a very small tag along in that regard. So um, the fact that I'm being considered, you know. Um, worthy enough to be able to contribute to, to such a fine, I was going to say masterpiece, but that might be a stretch of the imagination. Just yet. <laughs> um, but no, I think I'm, I'm, from another thing that I'm, I'm proud of when I reflect upon it is that these are the things that motivated me at the time and these are the memories that I have now. And, the, and for a lot of people, you know, they try and not repress them, but certainly push them down and just deal with the day to day. And I, I think it's, it's a good thing to get those sort of feelings out there, to get them on paper, to get them in print, um, because you can look back at them. And, and as I've done many times since we, you know, I wrote these colour stories, I look back at them and I think, you know, they are moments in my life that mean something really important. And we don't reflect enough on those sort of times. So I guess that's probably what I'm most proud of. Mm, very true. And I think that's one, obviously, I know people I've spoken to a lot of authors over the last couple of years while I've been in the process. And that's what they say, that it's such a therapeutic um, thing to do to actually 
remember these stories, write them down in detail and actually have them written down. So that's one thing I reckon people will be able to relate to. Um, do you know what I mean? That, that Alison and Craig, uh, uh, so Alison and Richard are in the UK. You're in uh, China at the moment, but you're Australian. I'm Australian. There's all different perspective, different walks of life, and we've had different experiences, but the stories are relatable because I'm sure everyone's experienced some form of that during their you know, upbringing or childhood or work life. So I think that's something. Absolutely. I think you know, one of Richard's stories, the Spartacus story, really strikes me because having been to the cricket at the Gabba, I can almost, yeah, I can almost feel that actually taking place. You know, you think about the Larrikin Australian crowd and you think about the response to police and all the sorts of things. And, it, and it's like you're transported back in time to the Gabba of old. It's, you know, it's changed a lot over the years to people that know the Gabba. It used to be you could sit on the hill and, you know, enjoy the cricket and all sorts of larrikins would get there. And, and now it's more a sanitised sort of version of watching sport. So that story of Richard's you know, it really resonates with me. It takes me back to a, to a, to what was a simpler time, I guess. Yeah. It's very funny. And obviously Richard's just been on this part of this podcast and we spoke about that exact story, Craig, because I think a lot of people can relate to it. We go to the sport and it doesn't matter if it's at the Gabba. It could be, you know, watching the English Premier League. It could be, I don't know, watching cricket somewhere else, rugby, whatever, that people can relate to an experience where a big crowd is drawn together in a chant or a Mexican wave or something like that. And it's it's very funny that and ironic, I suppose, that uh, you mentioned that. Now, final one is for people listening, how would you describe the book? What... What would, if you had like an elevator pitch on the book, what would you say about it? Ooh, an elevator pitch. Um, well, as I alluded to before, it, it fills a gap at the moment. The, the, the big problem with mindfulness at the moment is there's so many different you know, definitions of what mindfulness means. You know, if you pick up or you turn on a television or, or you turn on the internet, there's all of these, you know, um, pushes and pitches for, do this and do this for mindfulness and, you know, this will help here, here and here. I think the fact that you've connected play with mindfulness is, is something that's really pertinent to what's going on. I think um, for me particularly, it, it, it's almost the missing link. Um, you, a lot of your work is around the joy of play and the fact that, you know, our lives now seem to be lacking that more than anything else. Connecting that with a more mindful state, I think, is, is, is a really necessary vehicle that we have at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I think in a pitch, I'd say, you know, this is, this is essentially the only thing that you need from a mindfulness <laughs> perspective. Bang, Craig, that, that's, a, that's a banner. That's a banner right there, mate. That's a headline. I absolutely love that. Well, the, the, pro the problem is that, you know, all of these other you know, innovations or things like yoga and adult colouring and meditation and everything, they all have their place. But we've got to understand that they don't suit everyone. And, you know, you need alternatives out there. And I think this offers an alternative that a lot of people can, can grasp onto because not only does it put them in a mindful state in, in the now, it, it helps them reflect on, as I said before, on a simpler time, on an easier time, like, when everything was enjoyable and you had no responsibilities and for that brief period of time you can get away with something and then it puts you in a better place for dealing with what's going on. So I think that's that's a really important 
connection uh, that you've made. Well, thank you so much, mate. And uh, hopefully now that uh, people have listened to the three contributors and myself, that you get a bit of an idea of what's in the book. And um, Craig, once again, mate, thank you so much for, you know, your words, what you've put into the book, because it wouldn't be the same without it. Always a pleasure, my man. And uh, thank you for that. I just hope that, um, you know, the stories and the message gets out there and, and people share it with others and, you um, they have as much fun dealing with work as I can contribute to. have it three absolute superstars and you can tell by everything that they have mentioned how much this book means to them the impact we are hoping to have um and like richard said this is the equivalent of the dream team uh with michael jordan and larry bird and things were playing or the australian the invincible side whichever one you want to call it um when you work with good people good things happen and um i'd just like to also thank tara miller and the team at wiley for all the help they gave me in obviously writing a book that it didn't come naturally to me. Talking is something I can do very well, uh, but actually writing it down uh, was something that has been a dream of mine, but it also scared me a little bit. So if there's something out there that scares you a little bit, what better chance to do it or better time in your life to do that right now than um, put yourself out there and do something good. Hopefully that'll help others. And if you are listening to this, you haven't purchased one of the books, please go and do so. Or if you think there's somebody in your life right now that could really benefit from some fun, some joy, bit of play, bit of connection, um, then please send them this podcast because this book is designed to help everybody. It doesn't matter your age, where you are in the world. We can all have more play and all more fun. So thank you once again uh, for listening. Uh, episode number 234 and one that I'm extremely proud of because all work, no play is now available around the globe. Have a wonderful day, everybody. See ya. Thank you.